0: Well today we're continuing our series in the book of Psalms. And today we are looking at Psalm 46, our God, our hiding place. What does it mean to have a place that you feel safe? Now next weekend I'm going to be talking about God is our refuge. And there's a little difference because David is running from people trying to kill him. In next week's message, this is a a, a psalm, Psalm 46, that has to do with fortitude. It has to do with the mental ability to stand up under pressure. How many of you think we need that in our culture? Right now especially. So I want you to p- be prepared for that. I, as a kid, I, I just, I'm not kidding. Every house we moved to, I had some kind of a fort in the backyard. I just did. I just always dug trenches, and, and then I would cover it with plywood, put dirt over it, and even plant grass on it. And I thought it was so cool when I'd be hiding down in there and someone would walk right over me and not even know I was there. And I was so proud. You know, I'm seven, and they don't know where I'm at. Truth is, my parents told them to go walk over the fort so I would feel that way, right? But, but it's, even to this day, we have these phrases like the man cave. You know, that's been a new thing. I heard, a, I heard one recently, the she shed. You guys heard that? The she shed. Yeah, so we got the man cave and the she shed. So so anyway, it's a place that you go to do your thing. It's a place that, that you feel comfortable in. God provides for us a mental reprieve, a rest, a way in which when we run into his arms, we can relax. Now today's Psalm, Psalm 46, is pretty famous for a lot of things. It's you know, our, our God, our refuge and strength. That, that's one of those things that people mount on, you know, wood carvings and put it on their wall. It's also, it ends with that famous verse, be still and know that I am God. Have you, have you heard that one? And so there's a lot in this. But probably one of the biggest reasons I like this psalm, it is a psalm of David. And it is a song. They would sing Psalm 46. There's three interludes or silas uh, in it. I'll talk about that in a moment. But the reason I really like this psalm is it was Martin Luther. Ever heard of him? If you're not familiar with with, uh, religious history, he was a monk in Germany, a priest. And he just started reading the Bible and started to understand that our faith in Jesus, our justification is by faith. It is not by works. It's not by being better or doing better. It's Jesus paid the price for our sins. And we just need to trust that that price was enough. And our salvation doesn't come through works. It comes through faith. And boy, he loved Psalm 46. As a matter of fact, the story says that Luther's little ramshackle cart wobbled its way up to a place called Worms, Germany. I'm not making that up. Who would name a city Worms? W-O-R-M-S. It's still there. Anybody been to Worms? I'm just curious. It's, it's about 40 miles just kind of southwest of uh, Frankfurt. It's a pretty large city. But they summoned him in April of 1521. And he had been summoned by the emperor and by the Catholic leadership team to basically ask him or force him to recant from his heresy. That justification comes by faith and not by works. So he met them there. He found out when he got there that they had laid out all of his writings in a certain room. And the next morning he was told they were going to go into that room and he was going to recant and admit that this was heresy and it simply was not true. Luther, upon this knowledge, retired to his room for the night to think about his answer. The story says that the Bible fell open, his Bible fell open to Psalm 46. He had read it before. But this was the night it became so precious to him. It fortified his mind and he came out the next morning and he said this to those authorities when they said, you must recant. He said this, quote, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes or the council for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Man, I love that phrase. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen." End quote. He took a stand. And let me tell you, the Reformation period started right there. Psalm 46. As a matter of fact, he wrote a song That came out of Psalm 46. Anybody want to know what it is, the hymn? You you guys will recognize this hymn if you've been around church much. A mighty fortress is our God. He wrote that, and it's based on Psalm 46. So we know David wrote the psalm, so let's talk a little bit about this whole concept of Psalm 46. Now, this this, uh, outline is just simple. So so follow along if you have the app or it will be on the screen. The first thing the psalm starts with, number one in your outline, is we must identify our power source. So I've got in my life, I have to decide where my power comes from. Who am I going to depend on? Is it going to be my parents? Is it going to be my kids? Is it going to be money? Is it gonna, What is it going to be? My talent? What's it going to be? What is, what is it that I'm going to lean hard on? And David answers this in the story right in the get-go of Psalm 46 when he says this in verse 1. God. God is our refuge and our strength. He's boiling everything down to this one sentence. God is our refuge and our strength. Look at the next line. Always ready to help in times of trouble. To sum it all up, that's the biggest thing you need to know about this song in this Psalm 46. But there's a whole lot more that we'll talk about. So let me just put a question out to you. Because I like to make this stuff practical. What is your tendency when life gets tough? How do you typically respond? Because, you know, it's interesting. Different personalities, some people, when it gets tough, they just withdraw. You, You can't get them to talk. They just need to be alone. They isolate. You can't get them out. You know, don't raise your hand, but there's some of you right here, right now, and many of you online that would say, yeah, that's more me. And then (laughs) the opposite is true, too. Some people, when they get in trouble, they feel pressure. Talk, 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 talk. I mean, they want to talk about it 24-7. And it's right at the tip of their tongue all the time because they need to process it. How many of you process out loud as you say things? Many people do. But however it is, you know, some people go to a friend or a family member. David is reminding us that we indeed need to start with God as our source. That it is God who truly is our refuge, especially when it's things out of my control. Start going to God. And that takes us to the second point. Fear must not win our mind over What David is about to do, he's transitioning into the thoughtfulness of the song for meditation. What this part is, is a challenge and a proclamation. So as we read this, I'll I'll, I'll read it like that so you can see what David's doing here. Because this part of the psalm is the battle for your mind. Now if you don't believe this, you're very naive. Satan wants to win over your mind. All sin starts in the brain, your thinking. Action is just the fruit of bad thinking. People say, well, I just can't stop sinning. Well, go back to where it came into your mind and start there, the temptation, and then how you handle that temptation. So David knows that. And if you want God to be your hiding place, you're going to have to to really learn how to have mind control in the right sense of that word by leaning on God when temptation first comes. So verse 2, so we will not fear, now look at the metaphors he uses, when earthquakes come. We won't fear when the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar with foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Interlude. That's the word sila. In a song, it's an interlude. Some scholars, can I just tell you this? No one really knows exactly what sila means. It's not a real Hebrew word. It might come from this Hebrew word kala, which means to stretch or to stop, to ponder. Most people say when, it, when the psalm says sila, I think there's 71 times in the psalms it says sila. And it usually means stop and reflect. Or I, I got such a kick out of one commentator who, who said, no one really knows what this word means. I think it's the word David used when he broke one of his strings on his harp. <laughs> it was a joke, just so you know, okay? But, but here's, here's, here's what I want you to see. He says, I'm not gonna fear and then the two metaphors he uses are the things that are out of his control. So in other words, if, if an earthquake comes, it's bigger than me. I, I might be able to control the thermostat in my house or how fast I drive the car. There's certain things I have control over, but an earthquake, I can't just wish it away. So why would I fear it? I'll respect it. I'll get out of its way if it's possible. But I'm not going to live with that on top of me. You guys, people are freaking out in our country right now over things they don't have any control over. And David's saying, stop that. What's the point? An earthquake comes. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid if the mountains crumble into the sea. Well, yeah, it would be terrifying in the physical sense. But I'm not going to wake up today with this mental... Uh, tearing of my heart that says, what if this happens? What if this happens? And anxiety comes and insecurity comes and it all starts to take me over and I won't go outside and I'm not going to do that. I can't go shopping. It's just living in fear. As a matter of fact, he, he proclaims it so much like I'm not going to fear these things that are out of my control. And then verse 3 is a proclamation about that fear. In other words, let me read it like this. He says, we will not fear when the earthquake comes or the mountains crumble into the sea. And then there's like this crescendo. Let the oceans roar with foam. Let them, let them, let them have their moment. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. I'm not afraid. It's like, let it all come. Let it all happen. Why? Because God is my refuge. If I can get that in my heart, if I can get that in my spirit, then suddenly I can live life. I can live life on full, and it's not going to distract me. Every little thing that happens, let the oceans roar. Bring it on. Why? Because I'm anchored to something bigger than those things that create fear. Number three, God is greater than the weapons of men. So that sounds weird. Well, as I read the psalm, you'll understand why I made this point. David has been in a lot of battles. David has been in exile. He's running from King Saul. He's hiding in caves. He has moments when he's fine for a few years, and then it all starts over again. It's a challenging time in his life. So he says this. This is part of the song. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos, and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders, and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Interlude. Another, Selah. Some scholars believe that the voices would stop in singing the song and then the instruments would play an interlude to give pause. Wow, think about what we just sung, what we just heard sung. Think about these words, interlude. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world he causes wars to end throughout the earth. Now, here's the part that created this point. He breaks the bow, he snaps the spear, and he burns the shields with fire. Okay, that that's the end of that segment of the song. What what is going on with that? Why did he say it like that? And this is where I love the Psalms because as you dig a little bit, you start to find these metaphors have very deep meaning. And David is thinking, when he's pinning this song, he's thinking of the greatest weapons that existed in his time. That's what he's thinking. Now, how many of you know that the bow, the spear, and the shield really aren't too effective in today's warfare? I'm I'm going to war, I've got a bow, watch out. You know, (laughs) the bomb hits me. But in David's day, In David's day, I promise I won't try to bore you with this, but if you study the the idea of the bow and arrow, it was an incredible weapon. It was the first invention that could actually create an end to -to hand-to-hand combat. So swords, you got to be right up in someone's face to be having a sword fight. But all of a sudden, someone figured out with a bow and arrow, I can harm you from a distance. And the archers were accurate, and they practiced for hours and days and months and years. They found out that they could shoot over some of the walls of these fortified cities that had never been penetrated before. But a bow and arrow, you put fire on the end of that, you can burn a city down and never go inside the gates. So this was a big discovery, and that's why David, look at how David uses this when he talks about God. He's saying, man... The, the bows, the spear. These spears were were hardwood that they took days to make. They were hardened and these these spearmen would learn how to throw them so accurately and they wouldn't break. They could go find them and recover them. And then the shields were made with fire. And what is David doing? David is saying, God, with a snap of his fingers, breaks the bow. He snaps the spear. He burns the shields. In other words, it's just an afterthought to God. All the time and energy that went into these great weapons are nothing when it comes to what God can do. God is here. Man's warfare doesn't even exist when God is part of the picture. You guys, I love that. I hope that you will let that get in your spirit today. I hope you will understand that when God fights your battles, there is no human element that can beat him up. God is bigger than your problem. I started thinking about the weapons of of our enemy in our culture today. The enemy wants to take you out, and you better know that, and you better understand that and not be naive. But he doesn't do it with a bow and arrow. He doesn't do it with a bow and arrow. Let me give you some other words that our enemy uses in our culture more today. Discouragement. Through social media, through politics. Depression. Clinical depression is such a real thing. If you have fallen into that, I just want you to know, I want you to lean hard on God today. and We want to pray for you at the end of this service you say well i'm on medication great that's fine but but i still want us to pray for you i want us to help you because we need you to climb out of the pit if you're in a pit depression will destroy your life anger people who are lashing out people who have an uncontrolled anger this is a, a tactic of the enemy to to get you so worked up in your mind that you can't even think straight addiction man it's unprecedented it's unprecedented the kinds of addictions that we have in our world today. And I won't even bother to go through the list. You know about this. You have family members addicted to something. You might have an addiction problem. That's a stronghold that God can snap like a bow. He can He can end that. He can help you if you'll lean on Him. Insecurity grows. And suddenly I don't, I don't feel comfortable around this group. I, I'm not worthy. I'm And all of a sudden you have no confidence in who God made you to be and and you won't speak up. And it it just spirals people into this downward cycle. I just want to declare it today. God wants to be your hiding place. God wants to be a source where you can feel protected and you can feel invigorated to do His work with your life. Well, let's move on. The last point is this. Where do you go to hide in peace? Where do you go to hide in peace? Now, we all, we all, I've done this for years, so I'm not trying to undo this famous verse. Let me just read it, and then I'll talk about it. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation, I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So typically, when you see that plaque, be still and know that I am God, how is it portrayed? Like, just think about that for a minute. When, when I've said it in past, uh, and still, uh, this is not a misrepresentation, how people usually view this, it's good to be still and listen to the voice of God. But usually this verse has a connotation of curling up by the fire and It's calming your heart and being still and saying, I'm just going to listen to God for a little bit, right? But, But in this context, that's really not the right interpretation of how David is using this. David is in the middle of warfare language. And this is a warning from God to you. What God is doing here is he is saying, you're trying to fix everything. You're out there running around, battling, fighting. Be still. Be still. This it's almost like a, an alarming warning that says, be still and know that I'm gonna do that. Stop it. Matter of fact, the, the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, if you use that translation, it literally instead of be still, it says, stop fighting and know that I am God. Because that is a wonderful translation that God is trying to say to people who are scurrying around, busy-bodied, trying to fix everything, I'll do it, I'll do it, I don't need help, I can make it happen, I can make it happen, and God says, stop it. Be still. I'm God. You're not. Do you get that? (laughs) Do you understand that? I, I remember one time I was at a retreat, Uh, I was a youth pastor, and I was going to college in Springfield, Missouri. And I was leading this retreat with a group of junior high. We called it junior high back then. And I went into the pump house of the pool to get the net to get some stuff out of the pool. And there was this beautiful little bird that had gotten trapped inside this pool room where all the implements were. Not a big room. But the door to, to go out was just small. I had to lean down and go in and get the stuff and bring it out. And this bird was over behind the pump and it would fly up and hit the wall and fly over here and hit the wall. And, and I was like, oh, it's, this bird is beautiful. i got to get this bird out of here. It's going to die in here. And so I remember trying to catch it. Oh, my goodness. This little bird made me so mad. I, I finally said to the bird, I'm trying to save your life here. And then he jumped into my hand and we walked. No, I'm kidding. I, I ended up getting the pool net and like scooping him up and finally got him free. But that's a picture of what's happening here is, is I'm saying to this bird, be still. I'm trying to save your life. For some of you right now, God is saying, stop it. Be still. I'll be God. I want to save you. And that's the the final thing in your outline is just the one thing that I want you to practice this week is to be still. Only not be still. Be still and trust God. Stop it. You can't fix it. You're not designed to fix it. You're designed to lean into a God who can fix it. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, thank you. I can't, you can. (laughs) Some of you are right in the middle of that right now. And I get it. Human effort is a good thing. God doesn't want you to just not do anything. There are times when you need to do your part. But how many of you right now just would say, I can't fix it. I'm going to just be still and God's going to have to work this out. Hold up your hand if that's you. Online as well. Come on. God bless you. You can put them down. I want to pray over you because this is a powerful moment where miracles happen. Because you're acknowledging it's not about you. It's trusting God. That's the magic word. (laughs) I use that word magic carefully. That's the anointed word, trust. Lord, I pray over my brothers and sisters that need to lean in today and they need to stop it. They need to consider who who you are. They need to recognize, we need to recognize, you snap the bow. You destroy the shield. There's no weapon that can prosper against us when we lean into you, because you're God. And we're excited about that today. We yield to you. A mighty fortress is our God. We will trust you forever, and we thank you that we can lean in. If you're without Jesus today, please, in this moment, just give your life to him. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. I trust you. I want to walk with you. I want your plan in my life. Just surrender. That's the word. Surrender to him. We'll help you. We have a packet up here. We'll get involved with you at the level you need us to, to, to journey with you in your journey of faith, okay? We give it all to you, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen.